Welcome back to Round 12, the podcast that will always be dedicated to growth, development, and motivational mastery. I am your host, Sensei Roger B. Hamilton. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of the Round 12 podcast series. Let's go get it. Ms. Toni Morrison, Beautiful Human Urgency. She uses the rich mythology and metaphors of the African-American experience to anchor and enrich her personal imagery in the book. Her work demonstrates both the uniqueness and the universality of African-American life. Her work heals the disrupted ancestral energies, heals the torn ancestral soul, and reveals the beauty, vigor, pathos, and durability of African-American life and culture. Today we pause, we stop, we reflect, and we remember one of our brightest stars and a priceless human gem. Our sister, our auntie, our professor, our poet laureate, and our Nobel Prize recipient. And in the final analysis, our down-to-earth, real-life, centered human being. The legacy of Toni Morrison, who died this week at the age of 88, seems nearly impossible to summarize. The 1993 Nobel Laureate for Literature, she was the author of 11 novels, one of which won a Pulitzer Prize, as well as numerous works of nonfiction. As an editor, she published and promoted the work of a generation of black writers, which is to say nothing of the artists she continues to inspire, including other cultural giants such as Oprah and Beyonce. And you always know they're giants when you have to say only their first name and everybody knows. For all this legendary status, however, a recent documentary captures Morrison's life in intimate personal terms. And the strength of her work is deeply rooted in its humanity and black characters whose internal struggles and strengths are fully realized and compassionately written. Her first novel, The Bluest Eye, challenged the oppression of white beauty standards. And her last, God Help the Child, celebrated how people can overcome painful histories and find fulfillment. Thank you, Ms. Toni Morrison, for leading the way and leaving us your amazing legacy. We are better because of you. Finally tonight, an appreciation of author and Nobel laureate Toni Morrison, who died last night. Jeffrey Brown looks back at how she helped to transform modern American letters. This tribute is part of Canvas, our ongoing arts and culture coverage. As editor, teacher, and most of all, writer, Toni Morrison changed and enhanced American literature. In 2012, on the campus of Howard University, where she'd been an undergraduate, she looked back to her younger self, just starting out in the world. I was so confident and uh, capable. The future was, you know, right there, right at your fingertips. And I was so happy to be among what I hadn't had when I was in Ohio, uh, African-American intellectuals. And that was the company I wanted to keep. 
She worked as a book editor first and was nearly 40 when her first novel, The Bluest Eye, was published. Followed by Sula, The Song of Solomon, and other books, 11 novels, children's books, and essay collections that made her reputation for bringing to the fore a distinctly African-American story, rooted in history and the legacy of slavery, written in a powerful voice like no other. Sapha was trying to make up for the handsaw. Beloved was making her pay for it. Beloved, widely considered her masterwork, was published in 1987 and won the Pulitzer Prize. Could stay the night if you had a mind to. A 1998 film version starred Oprah Winfrey as a mother who escaped her Kentucky master and upon capture in Ohio, killed her own daughter rather than have her forced back into a life of slavery. Morrison spoke to the NewsHour's Charlene Hunter-Galt when the novel first came out. I read an article in a 19th century newspaper about a woman whose name was Margaret Garner. It was uh, an article that stayed with me for a long, long time and seemed to have in it an extraordinary uh, idea that was worthy of a novel, which was this compulsion to nurture, this ferocity that a woman has to be responsible for her children, and at the same time, the kind of tensions that exist in trying to be a separate, complete individual. In a recent documentary film, Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am, Morrison spoke of her goals as a writer. I didn't want to speak for black people. I wanted to speak to and to be among. It's us. So the first thing I had to do was to eliminate the white gaze. Jimmy Baldwin used to talk about that. The little white man that sits on your shoulder <laughs> and checks out everything you do and say. So to knock him off. And, you know, you're free. Now I own the world. I mean, I can write about anything to anyone, for anyone. Morrison was awarded the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1993, the first African-American woman to win praised by the Academy for her, quote, visionary force. And she was given the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the nation's highest civilian honor, by Barack Obama in 2012. Morrison was on the bestseller list again in 1997 for her novel Paradise, set in an Oklahoma town called Ruby. And the NewsHour's Elizabeth Farnsworth talked to her of the period when freedmen left plantations, sometimes under duress. The isolation, the separateness is always a part of any utopia. And it was my meditation, if you will, an interrogation of the whole idea of paradise, the safe place, the place full of bounty, where you're, uh, no one can harm you. But in addition to that, it's based on the notion of exclusivity. All paradises, all utopias are defined by who is not there, by the people who are not allowed in. In 2005, Morrison wrote the libretto for Margaret Garner, an opera based on the story from which she wove Beloved. Composed by Richard Daniel Poor, it starred Denise Graves. At the time, Morrison told me how moved she was by the experience. There's this other thing, which is a kind of restoration, uh, redemption, that the opera can offer via its music, its words, its singers, and its stage to the audience. 
so that when you leave, you know more, you felt more, and you felt more deeply. But somehow, you are more human than you were, or you feel more human, more humane, more capable than you did when you came in. More human, more humane, more capable. Words that express what Toni Morrison herself created in a literature that so deeply affected her readers. Morrison died Monday in New York. She was 88 years old. And joining us now is one of many writers who were influenced by Toni Morrison. Tracy K. Smith is the former poet laureate of the United States. Her latest volume is Wade in the Water. She's a professor and head of the Lewis Center for the Arts at Princeton University, where Toni Morrison taught for many years. Tracy, it's nice to talk to you again. First, talk about Toni Morrison, the writer. What stood out for you in the language, the story she told? Well, I feel like what stands out for me is the amazing vigor and resourcefulness, the beautiful aesthetic sense that drives her work, the way that we can be moving forward and deeper into a world that is made up of characters, voices, and then suddenly we're in what almost feels like a spirit level. Um, her work activates a, a beautiful human urgency that stems from the social conditions that her characters um, her characters live in and are touched by. Uh, but it never stops being poetry. It never stops being a living language. And I think that's something that's been hugely inspiring to so many writers, myself included. And what's, what story did she tell over her life as a writer? I feel like um, Morrison provides us as Americans with a vocabulary for acknowledging and grappling with the effects, the ongoing effects of slavery upon all of us, no matter who we are. Um, she reminds us that the lives of blacks who are often at the center of that story exist on a mythic scale, that we're central to what America is, what it believes itself to be, and what, it's, what it might actively be um, pushing against as well. Um, it's a story that lives in history, but I think it takes art to bring those questions and those realities um, into an urgent kind of contact with who we are as people. Mm -hmm. Morrison used to talk about, you know, crossing the, the mere air that sits between yourself and another person and how difficult that is sometimes. But it's the language of, of literature and um, an art that helps us to do that. It pulls us out of ourselves and makes us beholden to to other people who might be um, strangers to us. You were talking about the influence she had on you and so many writers personally. Tell me a little bit about that. You knew her as a, you were a young writer. She's there on campus. What is that like? Who was she to you? Oh gosh, I remember, I remember in my first year on this campus, I was given a classroom that sat in what was essentially a vestibule outside of Toni Morrison's office. And on maybe the third or fourth week of class, she walked through that space on her way into her office, and my heart stopped. I knew she taught here, but I had never seen her. And I felt this huge welling of awe 
and gratitude um, just arrest me. And I thought, oh, this is, I'm in the presence not only of greatness, but I'm in the presence of the real. I'm in the presence of, you know, the living word, logos in a way. Um, of course, she was so generous and present and devoted to her students and had a really beautiful way of breaking down that, that sense of awe and, and making herself useful to the young people that she was teaching. Um, but she never stopped being great. That's for sure. Tracy K. Smith on the life and work of Toni Morrison. Thank you very much. There are no major white characters in your books. No. The black narrative has always been understood to be a confrontation with some white people. I'm sure there are many of them. They are not terribly interesting to me. What is interesting to me is what is going on within the community. And within the community, there are no major white players. Once I thought, what is life like if they weren't there? Which is the way we lived it, the way I lived it. Toni Morrison was born Chloe Anthony Wofford in Lorain, Ohio, not far from Cleveland. It was the Depression. Her father was a ship welder, her mother a housewife. The neighborhood was mixed and sometimes hostile. People set our house on fire uh, to evict us when, we were, when I was about two years old. Set the house on fire? While we were in it. <laughs> Why? So we wouldn't be there, so we would leave. Chloe's father, George Wofford, had migrated to Ohio from the South. Experiences like the fire reinforced the deep feelings he already had about whites. He simply felt that he was better, superior to all white people. His experience taught him that, that he was always in the company of inferior people when he was surrounded by whites. You know, he didn't let white people in the house. <laughs> they came when he was not there, you know, insurance men and so on. Your father sounded like he had a tough core to him. Oh, very much so. He was um, an ordinary man, um, but an extraordinary man at the same time. He was very clear about what the dangers were and very clear about what he wanted for his children. Does your writing have a political point of view? Oh, oh yeah. The truth I happen to be most interested in has to do with the nature of oppression and how people survive it or don't. It's amazing to me, particularly for African Americans, just amazing that we're not all dead. That's a constant shocker. Paris is one of the few places where she has lived outside the United States, and she clearly likes it here in part because the French seem more interested in her writing than her race. When you know somebody's race, what do you know? Virtually nothing. You add to it all the stereotypical information and all the baggage that goes with race, but you don't know anything about that person just because you know race. So in the end, I ask you for this to please take a moment to not just think of or remember the great Toni Morrison, but I ask you to remember the greatness in you and go back to the well, get back to work, 
Get on your horse. Get behind the wheel. Sit down at the desk and tell your story and be inspired. You, too, have a legacy. Thank you for joining us again today for another episode of Round 12. And may you live as long as you want and never want as long as you live. May the worst days of your future be like the best days of your past. And may you continue to answer life's bell every time. Until we meet again, time!